I'm Mary Wild, one of your practitioners of the day. Practitioner, uh, if you're new to our tradition, is someone who has finished a course of study in spiritual principles and practices and in affirmative prayer. And we can find the spiritual principles at work in your life, whether you are stuck on something or whether you just want to expand the greatness of your life. So call on us at any time. I'm going to say an affirmative prayer, so please take a second to think of something that you want to create in your life, and I will include it in this prayer. Take in a beautiful breath of God. We say, God breathes through me. We breathe through God. Breathe in that wonderful energy of life, of love, of purpose, of joy that energy of healing, that energy of all good. We just let that move through us. We realize God is always in and through us. God breathes through us. God walks with us. God uses our arms and legs. God uses our voice to speak. So God speaks through us. And when we remember this, our prayers are focused. So feel free to use my words as your own. Take my words as your own as I move into the first person. I know that God is right here, right now, in this very room. I see it as a sparkling energy made of love and intention, and creative potential. It has a consciousness of love. And I can experience spirit in and through me, as me, when I remember that it is there. When I recall to pray without ceasing, to be aware have a conscious contact with God throughout the day. I remember to do this. I speak my word knowing it is easy to remember that the center of my being is this life force, this divine presence, this power, this joy, this divine comforter. And as I recall this and remember it throughout the day, I hear the voice of God as my intuition. I feel the law of God as my power to create. And I place my words into that law, such as the following. I speak my word for everyone here, knowing that that which they wish to create in their lives and they have spoken in their minds today, I speak my word knowing that that comes into reality in physical form for them right here and right now through the power of God's love and God's law. I speak my word knowing anything that would hamper that, any doubt, any fear, anything, any obstacle is pushed away pushed away, blown away, and deny those obstacles 
I refute them, I refuse them, and I say they are gone. And in their place is faith and knowledge and a knowing. The creation that has been desired is now here in form. It's my word knowing that each one hearing this prayer is able to see the arrival of their good. Some in small parts, some all at once. It is visible, tangible, and wonderful. I speak my word knowing that each person knows that God within is perfect health, perfect abundance, perfect relationship, perfect joy, perfect work, perfect creation, and creativity. And I'm grateful for all of this in everyone's life. My gratitude feels wonderful. God shines through me and through everyone here. So in this gratitude, I take these words of truth about everyone's life here, these words of creation and these words of love, and mostly these words of truth, and I place them into the law that must say yes. I release them. I let them go. And so it is. Amen. So this month, we are we are exploring the idea of living as conduits of compassion, as conduits of compassion, which means, of course, the compassion already exists, and we're just creating an opening for that conduit for that compassion to flow through us. We don't have to create it. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to, you know, cook it from scratch. It's already there. We just get to be conduits and let it flow. And today we're going to look and, and we're going to ask an important question. The question is, am I engaged with spirit? Am I engaged with spirit? See, spirit's 100% engaged with us and as us. The question is, am, how fully am I engaged with spirit? Last week I used a, a metaphorical story, and, and I'm going to uh, use the same story again today, because it's such a great story uh, to, to, to look at this point, to illustrate this point. And this story comes out of um, Matthew chapter 22, verses 2 to 14, in case you want to follow along. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Now notice they've already been invited. They haven't responded. So he sends the servants to say, hey, hey. And they still refuse to come. And again, he sends other servants. And he says, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted calves, having been slaughtered and everything is ready. I, there's a great party sitting here. Great party. Not for a vegetarian, but you know, we'll, there's a vegetarian version of that. I, I want to make sure of that. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants and mocked them and killed them. Now, this is a great story to illustrate today's topic. See, the feast, the, the kingdom of heaven, which lives within us, is always ready, always prepared. It's always here. But we turn away, going about our busyness. Or worse still, we kill off those internal reminders that call us 
to remembering the kingdom, to our spiritual practice, to the acceptance of the invitation. There's an old phrase that says, we must be present to win. Must be present to win. Many of us have heard the story of the man praying to God to win, that he wins the lottery. And he's praying, he's praying for months on end. And he, you know, God help me win the lottery, please. And after months of praying, he sobs to God, why won't you let me win the lottery? And there's a booming voice comes out of the sky and it says, help me out here. At least buy a ticket. Often we are so caught up in battling with the world to try to gain happiness, to try to gain the feast, that we don't notice we're already there. The party is already going on. We're just not present. We haven't bought the ticket. Instead, we're talking about other people and how screwed up they are and how screwed up the world is. And, and why can't they just you know, change? And why can't my finances just change? And my partner, my relationship partner just change or another one come in? Or you know, we, we're talking about talking about talking about all that stuff. And we're fighting and battling against effects because all the circumstances in the world are effects, not cause, effects of our individual and collective consciousness. We're battling and wrestling with shadow in a way. Ernest Holmes says, we need not leave the world for we may engage in all of its activities without being controlled by them. We may be in the world of affairs as masters of ourselves and our own, our own minds. When Jesus says he's in the world, but not of the world, he recognizes the source of life and our oneness with it. And he recognizes that we need to be present from and as this source while being fully present in the world. You know, we don't have to go off and live in a cave somewhere. We have to listen to that inner voice and be present in the world. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And that is a comment or a conversation about consciousness. Caesar's is the world. We need to deal with the world. We're in the world. In case you haven't noticed, slap yourself in the back of the head. You're in the world. You know, we're here. But we're also gods in the world. And I don't mean just God apostrophus. I mean gods. You and I are the divine in the world. That is who and what we are. Excuse me. Well, I take a drink of the world. The Buddha taught the Noble Eightfold Path as a way of living in the world mindfully. And, and he invites us, to, there's eight, eight, eight aspects of this, our view, our thinking, our mindfulness, our speech, our action, our concentration or focus, and our livelihood. That these are the ways, the eight, this eight, Eightfold Noble Path helps us see the suffering because we have to see the suffering. If I'm sitting here, there's there's a lovely story of, of a of a minister, a rabbi, and and a uh, excuse me, of a priest, a rabbi, and a religious science minister who all die and are sent to hell. And as they're sitting in hell, the priest sits there and goes, "I know why I'm here. I I, I ate a lot of meat on Fridays, and I I, uh, I had sexual relationships with one of the nuns." 
And the rabbi is sitting there going, yeah, I know why I'm here. I, I, you know, I couldn't stay. I love bacon. I love pork chops. You know, and I just couldn't stay away from it. And the religious science minister is sitting in hell going, it's not hot and I'm not here. It's not hot and I'm not here. It's not hot and I'm not here. We have to recognize that there is suffering. We have to recognize where we are. And then the next item out of that, the next section of that, helps us to see the creating of suffering. How am I creating the suffering? And then it helps us to see the ending of suffering because suffering is not our truth. Suffering is not our ultimate reality. How do I see the suffering, see the creating of the suffering and see the ending of the suffering? The first two aspects of the Eightfold Noble Path, the first one calls us to see and to recognize our suffering and call it by its name. Say what it is. It's depression, it's loneliness, it's anxiety, it's fear, it's insecurity, whatever it is. And then the second one calls us to look directly into that suffering to determine its cause, to determine its basis. And once we can do that, we can free ourselves from it. Many times we turn away from or kill the messengers with the invites to the feast because we recognize that accepting that invitation to the feast, we recognize that turning to the light brings up our darkness, shows up our darkness. And it feels more comfortable and safe to stay away from a real relationship with the light so we can pretend to keep our darkness hidden. But if we want a real engagement with spirit, we must first step fully into the light. If you want a real engagement with another person, you must be honest with them. You must be really truly present with them. And the thing is, and this is the, the cosmic joke about this, if you will, the thing is once we step fully into the light, the darkness disappears into the non-reality, the no-thingness that it truly is. You know, we're using um, some local talent today. You know, a couple of songs were written by uh, Brent uh, that we've already listened to. The song after the talk is written by our own Linda Bremer, one of our practitioners. And I'm also going to use a story that our practitioner Sandy Dell shared uh, in her weekly post this week. And it's a wonderful, it's, it's derived uh, from a Sufi story. And she learned it from Reverend Jackie Holland of uh, CSL in Boise. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, a cave lived under the ground, as caves do. It had spent its lifetime in dank darkness. One day, it heard a voice calling to it, come up to the light, come and see the sunshine. But the cave, not knowing what this thing called light was, answered, I don't know what you mean. There isn't anything but darkness. But the call continued. Finally, the cave decided to venture out. He was amazed to see light everywhere. There was no darkness anywhere to be seen. And he felt oddly warm and happy. You know, when we step out of our darkness, when we get out of our old story, at first it seems odd. It's kind of, who's this? What's this? So the cave feel, felt oddly warm and happy. And finally, he wanted to repay the gift. So looking up to the sun, the cave invited his new friend to come with him and to see the darkness. And the sun asked, what is darkness? 
The cave said, come and see. As the sun entered the cave, it said, now show me your darkness. But there was no longer any darkness. According to one of the Hebrew creation stories, the first thing God created was light. Not physical light, that came, that came later. But the light of consciousness, the light of wisdom, the light of perceiving, which lives within each of us, calling us out of our darkness, our non-existent darkness. But we must, like the cave, answer the call. We must let go of only knowing or believing in darkness. And we must have the curiosity and the courage to accept the invitation from the light into the light. Ernest Holmes says each of us should seek that beam of light within and follow it to the great light, the light that is in everything. I'm going to say it again. We should seek the beam of light within and follow it to the great light. We must acquiesce to it and surrender all that has made us unhappy, all that has isolated it, us from it. Only then can God fully pronounce itself through us and in us and personalize itself as us. To enter the light, the feast, the kingdom of heaven, takes an acquiescence, a quieting of the chattering mind that wants to hang on to its story of this is what's going on, and this is why I'm so unhappy, and this happened to me, and you don't understand my pain. But what we are surrendering is our suffering. It takes that acquiescence, it takes that surrender of our suffering and all that has made us unhappy and all that has isolated us from that light, all that has kept us in our caves. Our small ego-based intellect with its high need to be right, anybody besides me, high need to be right, will cling desperately to its facts, its reasons, its stories and its meanings the very causes of darkness and isolation. It will cling to them because they are all it knows, like the cave. Yet this is what needs to be released to become engaged at the wedding feast. If we hold on to these old stories, if we hold on to this old way of being, we become the wedding guest who is not wearing wedding garments when he arrived. In other words, whose consciousness did not match that of the feast and was thrown out. We are called to be open to spirit and courageous in the world. A good example of being courageous in the world comes from the prophet Ezekiel. This is just a great thing. And in this dream, he hears God saying to him, I am sending you to a rebellious nation. The people are impudent and stubborn. I'm so glad that we don't know any nations like that these days. The people are impudent and stubborn children. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or not. But you must listen to what I say to you. We speak God's words. We don't care whether they're listened to or not. But we do have to listen to that input from spirit. We must be in the world because we are while remembering our source, the infinite love, which is always engaged to and with us. So this week, I invite you to get engaged. 
three spiritual practices. Number one, hear the call of the light. Listen for it. Listen to it and say yes. It comes to us in many ways. Some of them are wonderful and some of them are what we call mm, teaching moments, opportunities for growth. So hear the call of the light and say yes. We may have to face our own darkness, but our darkness isn't real. That wonderful psalm that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. This infinite presence is with us. This light is always with us, no matter what valley of the shadow of death we might be walking through. So that's the first one, is hear the light, the call of the light and say yes. Secondly, become engaged. Surrender your old life for a far better new one. You know, if, if people, when people become engaged or if they become married, you know, usually that one, somebody leaves their old house and moves in with somebody else. Maybe in their house, maybe in a new house. We leave behind the old houses, the old consciousness, and move into a new house of consciousness. So become engaged. And thirdly, listen to spirit and go, boldly go where your timid ego hasn't gone before. Boldly go where your timid ego hasn't gone before. And you know where that is. You know for you where that is. So are you willing to play with those three spiritual practices? We're hearing the call and saying yes. We're becoming engaged. And we are listening to spirit and boldly going. Yes, thumbs up. Thing. Great. So I want to close with a quote from Ernest Holmes and our affirmation. There must come a time in our experience when we speak the conviction that is within us. This conviction of the spiritual universe in which we live is real and powerful. The light cannot be borrowed from another. Each has been furnished with a divine torch whose wick burns from the oil of the eternal and ever-renewing substance of faith in oneself and others. We must speak the conviction that is within us. We must be that light. We must stand as, as the light. I have our affirmation here in just a moment. Join me in saying this. I am a stand for love in this world, no matter who is listening. I am listening and I am engaged. Say it together one more time. I am a stand for love in this world, no matter who is listening. I am listening and I am engaged. And so it is. Let's close with a prayer. So taking a deep breath, there is only one presence. Whether I know it or not, whether I remember it or not, there still is only one presence, one infinite life by whatever name we give it. One wholeness, one infinite, unconditioned love. One power, one joy, one one life. And because this life is all that there is, I know that each of us is already and always one of this one. 
we are already completely, totally immersed in it. Again, whether we know it or not, remember it or not, whether we accept the invitation or not, we're there anyway. We might as well get dressed for the, fe the feast. And so I speak my word that we do accept the invitation. That we do accept the invitation to a life beyond that is good beyond our imagining of good. Because the infinite presence is far greater than our finite minds can understand or appreciate. We can get a sense of it. But as we open to it, it expresses more of itself in, through, and as us, blessing us and then blessing all of the world through and as us. And we say yes, we open the spigot wide to be conduits of compassion, conduits of wisdom, conduits of joy, conduits of, of power, of grace, of life energy. We say yes to this. And I'm grateful for all of the good, again, beyond what we can imagine, that expresses in through and as each of us as we say yes. I'm grateful for the spirit within it all that moves in through and as us. And in that sense of gratitude with heart wide open, I release this word into a law and into a love that expresses and creates throughout this universe, that takes this consciousness, takes our yes, and expresses it in forms and experiences that bless us and bless everyone around us. And it is already so. This, is, this law is already happening. This law is already being this. And we just let it be. And so it is.